Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 179 of The Yaki Show. And I've got to say, it's a glorious summer afternoon in Ontario, Canada. Beautiful sunshine, lovely temperature. I think it's 29 Celsius, so it's about 84 Fahrenheit. And today, unusually, humidity is very low. Um, I was outside a little earlier and it was, it was nice. It was quite pleasant. That's enough about the weather. This is the show that we aim where we aim to enlighten you, enable you and hopefully entertain you to give you a new perspective on the changing world we live in and it's certainly changing every day it's not my job to introduce guests and as always we have another interesting guest today but Kathleen does it so much better than I do so first let's welcome Kathleen Beauvais from Waterloo Ontario how are you doing today Kathleen I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for that intro, uh, Peter. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So do please keep those coming. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. We'd love to hear Mm. from you. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. Very excited to have her. Welcome, Gail Gruenberg. Hello, Gail. How are you? Hello, it is so nice to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Now, Gail, you are the chief executive organizer at Let's Get Organized. Maybe you can help me with my pantry. But before we get there, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about your background and how you became a professional organizer. Absolutely. Well, I used to be a certified public accountant way back when in the day, and it, uh, it just was not a, a career that was filling my soul. At the time that I started my business, I had two small children. My son was four and my daughter was two. And I just knew that there was so much more to life than the three walls of the cubicle I was in. Yes. I think a lot of people can share that sentiment. Yes. Yep. Yep. So this is a new one of me, virtual professional organizing. What is it, Gail? Yes. Well, (laughs) when I first started the business, that was in the end of 2003. So since uh, since then, I've done a lot of the the hands-on physical in-your-space organizing. But recently, since the pandemic and, and a bit before, Um, I have taken up virtual organizing as well, meaning that using Zoom or FaceTime or even still photos, I can consult with clients anywhere in the world Mm -hmm. using technology and assist them, consult with them and coach them through the organizing process. Hmm. Uh Excellent. So can you explain to us then, you know, we talk about organization, uh, you know, in business practices, even in a home environment. But how does organization impact the rest of someone else's, of someone's life? I feel that it impacts every part of someone's life. Um, I'm a certified professional organizer in chronic disorganization, as well as a certified virtual professional organizer, meaning that I focus on clients who have a brain-based condition that affects their ability to organize. There are some executive functions that could be impaired, and that is pretty much... I mean, I could go into the whole prefrontal cortex and the way that the prefrontal cortex is the conductor of the brain, uh, orchestrating everything that a person does and and all kinds of, of abilities. 
which then would impact every part of a person's life. So there's the mental health, there's the physical health, there's sleep. Um, sometimes when you're organized, you're very stressed out, you don't sleep well. And when you don't sleep well, you're more stressed out and that affects your ability to, to think and to process information. So it's, um, I feel that if someone is organized, they can have better control over their lives as a whole. So you had mentioned to us about, you know, looking inward and cleaning and organizing the inside, but we're not just talking about cleaning out your closets here. We're not talking about your filing cabinets. Can you, can you probably elaborate a bit more about what it is that you mean by that? And how does a person go about doing that, especially on the inside? Yes, it's an excellent question. And the way I like to represent it is like a biconditional arrow. If you clear your mind, you clear your clutter. And if you clear your clutter, you clear your mind. Right. It's, it really is. It's a soul scrub. It's a physical putting your space into an order that I'm just, please forgive me. I have so many thoughts going at one time. (laughs) I'll organize my thoughts Um, that uh, when when you organize your space, you organize your, your heart, your head, Mm -hmm. as well as your physical environment. Um, So that as you're clearing out clutter, you are processing all of the emotions and belief system and stories you tell yourself that might be imbued in your physical objects. And this is, mainly referring to residential organizing, because that is where I think I can have the most impact with people. It's, it's really one-on-one in their spaces. Um, so if someone is organizing a closet, for instance, they might have clothing from 30 years ago mm. and their self-identity is tied up in some of those uh, items. Um, they might have like, oh gosh, you know, I used to wear this in high school. And when I was in high school, I was a cheerleader or, you know, I ran track or whatever it is that, and that, that self-identity is represented by the item. So when we start to clear that out, we have to examine all of those beliefs before we can cleanse a a space. Oh, interesting. Peter, you're laughing about that. You have a story there. (laughs) I'm feeling that I'd better not say any more because I'm, I'm one of the main perpetrators of what Gail's talking about. Um, I, I got a couple of questions, but just to emphasize what you're saying, I'm in my 70s, early 70s. And when I was in my late 30s and 40s, I ran a lot of marathons and I got the bug and I started running ultra marathons, um, 50 milers and this sort of thing. Right. So fast forward, in my mid 50s, I was in Africa, things went badly wrong in Zimbabwe, I had to move to North America, came to Canada with two suitcases, that's it, and a very small amount of cash, and six cats with my wife. However, in those two suitcases were a couple of t-shirts that I got awarded at the end of those 50 milers, and now 20 years on from that, they are still, having not been worn for 40 years, they are still in my process. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. <laughs> Uh, let's get on to a couple more questions. There's something that um, it triggered some questions in my mind when you were talking. How much of, of um, disorganization is part of hoarding and, and could well be generational? Um, so, so is it 
I'm throwing too many questions at you, but let me get it out before I forget it. How much of it is um, nurture and how much of it is nature? In other words, if my parents were disorganized and hoarding, is there a very good chance I'll be disorganized and hoard? So sorry, I've thrown a lot at you, but I'm sure you can pick your way through that. Not at all. That, that was a great question. Thank you. I would say that in my own perspective, it's probably a 50-50 chance. Okay. In my experience, I've seen people who definitely have that hereditary trait that it, it might be nature and it might be nurture. So it really mm-hmm. depends on the person. Um, I have seen people who are children of hoarders. Uh, and there is a group in the U.S., possibly international as well. There, it, it's called Children of Hoarders, that they've gone a complete 180 degrees. And they said, I have, I'm not going to live like this. I am going to be completely different. And they become minimalists. Mm-hmm. And I have seen people who have continued that trait from their parents and possibly even their grandparents into their own lives and to the lives of their, their children and potentially grandchildren as well. So it could go either way. Yeah, it could go. Okay, interesting. Is it getting worse in the modern age or staying the same? That's an excellent question as well. Um, I think it would depend on the individual. Okay. In my experience and training, I have seen that as people age, and this is not meant to sound like ageism, it's just, Mm -hmm. I think, it's a factor of potentially physical ability and the way someone's cognition mm-hmm. uh, proceeds that many people who are diagnosed with hoarding disorder, it might have a, a younger uh, traumatic factor in, in someone's life, but mm-hmm. more people who are being diagnosed tend to be of an advanced age. But then again, there are the young people coming up who they issue things. Mm-hmm. They're digital natives and they don't want stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think the future, again, could go either way. Either way. I've got another one I've got to, I've got to ask you. Sorry, Kathleen, I'm monopolizing this, but it's your turn in a moment. How much of it is also due, accumulating clutter, how much of that is due to inertia? And let me give you a story to... to um, show you what I'm talking about. When I came from Africa, people did not hoard old vehicles because vehicles were very expensive in Africa. So something that would be considered scrap here would be saleable there. And if you just dumped it in your yard and didn't protect it, it would get stolen, but you could always sell it. So when you drove around farms in Africa, and I'm talking from a farmer's perspective, you did not see many beat up old pickups, tractors, cars, that had been rusting away for 20, 30 years since granddad abandoned his Model T version. So I come to Canada and I go around a lot of farms and I see all these truck bodies rusting away in the backyard. I think, what's the problem? And I say, well, why don't you sell it for scrap? Ah, it's too much trouble. We just leave it there. So, so here's a huge cluttering problem, worse with farmers from a visibility point of view. But the sole reason, from what I gather, is just too much trouble to, to do something about it. So is inertia a factor in this, in clutter? Yes, yes, it is. In fact, it's um, initiating a task is an executive function directly related to the ability to organize. Ah, and, um, I, ah okay. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Thank you. That's interesting. Kathleen, sorry. That's all right. Your, t- your turn. <laughs> um, Gail, have you seen a difference in people's organization during the pandemic? I have. I 
find that many people, because we all got stuck at home for about two and a half years, they started to look inward and they started to look at their environments. Whereas if they were out and about and doing things and working and they just didn't have the, the time, they were just too busy to see what was literally in front of their faces. Um, the pandemic has, has definitely shown people the importance of being organized in their homes and, and especially working from home. They needed to have systems in place that would allow them to say, do double duty. Um, so there's definitely a, a, a larger focus on being organized than there was pre-pandemic. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And, and do you have any easy tips that um, you can impart to our audience that uh, they can take away to get become better organized? Yes, I have a few that I particularly like to suggest. Um, many people say, I know what I have to do. I just don't know where to start. I don't have the time to do it. So I say, just start. It doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter with how much you start. If you can do one tiny little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, a project will tend to build on itself mm -hmm. and, and gain momentum. So even 15 minutes of one drawer, one shelf, one corner of a, of a kitchen surface or whatever will have a huge impact. Another bit is decide to decide. Mm -hmm. Many people get paralyzed by, oh my gosh, I have so many decisions to make. You know, if, if they start by thinking inward to say, okay, I will just decide on this one little thing. And these are the criteria I'm going to set for making my decision. And if my decision fits the criteria, then I can keep it, toss it, move forward with it. Hmm. Interesting. So getting back to the virtual bit, if you, if you're physically going into someone's home, you can see the whole picture when it's virtual. Is there not a danger of you only getting shown what they want to show you, which might be the, the lesser side of the problem. So how do you get around that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the first part is to establish trust and a rapport if someone feels that they can trust me and I can just speak for myself on behalf of other organizers, um, then they can start to feel a little bit vulnerable and know that there is no judgment. Mm -hmm. um, someone who's been around a while in the organizing field has probably seen, seen it, been there, done that. Nothing is going to surprise us. So first building that relationship is essential. Mm -hmm. And then from a, a logistical standpoint, you know, it, it, it is difficult with a you know, few inches of a, of a screen to see the whole picture. So what I've done is I've asked clients to have multiple screens, if possible, so that we can see different perspectives mm -hmm. as well as the client, him or herself. Right, right, right. Okay. And I guess with your experience, you soon get a picture of, how much of the problem are they showing you? 10%, 20%, 50%. And, and then with, again, with your experience, you can draw them out once you've got that trust to show you 100% and then get some results. Interesting. I wondered. Thank you for that. Absolutely. 
So my, yes, my question is, it's, it's one that I always like to ask a guest if um, they're offering a service, just because I, I'd like to see, you know, if, if I am one of your clients and I call you up and say, I need, I really need some help in organizing. Can you walk me through what steps you would go through with me uh, to begin with if I was your client? Absolutely. The first thing is you probably have figured out we have a nice in-depth conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, I call my process the seven C's. Um, so first we, we consult, we, we talk, we, we get to know one another. Then we consider what challenges a client might be facing, whether they are physical, financial, brain-based, any other challenges, relationship-based. Sometimes, you know, there could be someone in the family or or workplace sabotaging someone's efforts. And then we talk about strengths as well. What's natural, what comes easy. So we come up with solutions that fit those, um, like a T basically. Then we clear a space, start with a nice fresh palette. We figure, we categorize, figure out what there is, what, what to keep, what not to keep, decide, uh, contain it, control it. That's the maintenance part. And there's a bit of coaching as well to find out, all right, so what are those emotions? What else do we have to work through in order to create systems that will stick? Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the things, again, I'm just going to go with a personal story, and I'm sure you can um, comment on this. When I had to, my wife and I had to leave Zimbabwe, things were really bad and we lost virtually everything that we built up over many years, including our home and, and everything else. And in that process, one of the things that was frightening us was how are we going to cope without our stuff, right? Stuff being everything from cars to stoves to clothes to you name it, horses and that. And once it had all gone, instead of being devastated by it all being lost, yes, it it was bad, but there was also a, a, a sense of liberation that we no longer have all this stuff to worry about, right? It sounds contradictory. And when we came to Canada with our two suitcases and six cats, um, we had nothing to worry about other than trying to find a roof to put over our heads and a way of earning money. We didn't have any bills. We had no rent at that stage to pay. (laughs) It was liberating. So do you find that same sense of liberation once you have successfully led a client down that path of decluttering and getting organized? The short answer is yes. Mm -hmm. And um, I could... I'm, I'm an open book, so I will definitely share with you my own personal situation was not quite as dire, I would say, but I did notice that when my ex-husband left the home that we, we shared, it was not really a revelation, but it was a, a personal experience of, boy, we just don't need a whole lot of stuff, do we? Mm. It was like, oh, gosh, you know, how little we really do need yeah. in our lives in order to function. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And the the end of that my story though is, without having bought very much since we've been here, we now have a big farmhouse full of stuff because people couldn't felt sorry for us and kept giving us stuff. <laughs> Nature abhors a vacuum. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You're right there. You're right there. Kathleen, uh, uh, um, have you got any more? I, I've got my burning question yes, to you ask Alan. I have your burning question. Go for it. <laughs> Okay, so the burning question is a little different in your case. We interview a lot of um, marketing people and coaches and business managers and that, and the successful ones, I like to know if they see 
a key characteristic in help that it, where other people become successful. So I'm going to narrow that down. And your one is going to be like this. And I know that you're successful in what you do from what you said and from what I've heard about you. But in your experience working with people, I guess, from a lot of different backgrounds, and I'm not talking about the people who have a definite mental challenge. I'm talking about people like us, right, who all have a cluttering problem or an organizational problem to a greater or less degree. Is there a single habit or characteristical mindset that, that sets apart the ones who are naturally organized from those who are naturally disorganized? Boy, that's a great question. If I might ponder it for just a second. Sure. Sure, sure. Um, a characteristic. Well, I would have to say that everyone's brain is unique. And that's part of why I've decided to specialize in the chronic mm -hmm. organization aspect, mm -hmm. because hmm, everyone has a different way of thinking. Um, I could go into people, some people are left brain oriented, some people are right brain oriented, some sure. are more logical, some are more creative. Um, but we all have aspects of both. Those who have success in learning how to organize, I think are willing to make a change. Mm -hmm. um, they're open-minded, um, willing to accept a different way of doing things, a willingness to look inside, see, you know, how can I make a shift in my thinking? What are my beliefs? Um, there's a bit of self-awareness. And as you mentioned, change is so, um, can be so unsettling for a lot right. of people. So to go into their environment and, and even though it may be disorganized to them, it's, it's, it's what they're, they've become comfortable with and to change that could be very upsetting to them. Have you, do you agree with that? Yes. It can be very traumatic having someone come into your space and say, oh, you know, you can't do it this way anymore. So there has to be a, a bit of a, a, a gentle approach. Um, coming in with a bulldozer doesn't work very well. Yeah. It's like coming in with a feather, <laughs> um, being an archaeologist and, and dusting off rather than like, okay, we're going to shovel things out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it has to be a, a subtle shift. Um, right. There is resistance. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> So there's so, we've got a little little time left, and and as you say, nature abhors a vacuum, so I like to try and yeah, fill up with the time available, especially with someone as interesting as you are. You mentioned earlier that with digitalization, a lot of the younger people don't need stuff. So that leads to the question, if someone has a cause, a burning, even call it an obsession, does that tend to reduce the chances of them accumulating a, a lot of clutter and be, being totally disorganized. Or perhaps it works the other way, like the absent-minded professor who's brilliant at solving his problems, but leaves his dirty plates all over his laboratory, for instance. So what's your take on that? There's two questions there. A cause. Um, you mean someone would be a champion for a particular purpose? Yeah, so driving purpose, be, be that entrepreneurial uh, activism, do, doing, doing good works, religion, spirituality, or anything. Someone who's driven in a, a certain direction, would they tend to be so focused that they don't accumulate a lot of clutter or, or not necessarily? 
I think it could go either way. Either way. Yeah, I thought it might. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have worked with uh, an absent-minded professor, maybe a mm-hmm. few in the past. And it's exactly as you've said, this one gentleman I have in mind, he was a mathematician and brilliant, but just very, very focused <laughs> and didn't necessarily see another way of doing things or, or the dishes that got piled up in the sink. And uh, well, the woman is uh, I've worked with is a brilliant doctor and she just it's best that she practiced medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So another one for you, are many of the people you work with older people who are are referred to you or your help is required by their adult children who notice the decline in older, older, the later years, as you mentioned, some of your people are, do do children see the need for help before their parents and ask you to step in? I would say if I were to assign a percentage, maybe 25% of my clientele may may mm-hmm. happen that way. Um, my clientele tends to be a pretty wide range of, of ages and, and places in life. But yes, adult children will call to say, you know, my adult parent just can't live alone any longer. What can you do? The answer to that is, is the parent on board? Yes, <laughs> right? of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yes. Kathleen, back to you. Well, we're running low on time, Gail. We're getting but, um, Please tell our audience how they can contact you. The best way is to visit our website at, it, it's Let's Get Organized is the company, and the website is lgorganized.com. Excellent. Got it. And there's a, I trust there's a contact form within that website that they can reach you. There is. Uh, Excellent with Gail, or it's contact us. Okay, no, we will put that certainly. And for our audio listeners, if you're listening to this podcast, the website address will be in the description. So go back to the beginning, you can find a hyperlink there and click on it and get straight through to Gail's contact form. So thank you for that, Gail. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Gail. We appreciated having you. And uh, once again, thank you all for tuning into our show. And uh, until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.